Welcome to Physics Twist. This week in Science and Technology, the Australian science news podcast for the scientifically curious, both neophytes and crackerjacks alike. We are powered by Physics Education, leading science communicators in the education space. It is our job to deliver exciting science content all around Australia, and what better way to do that than with a special guest? It's Kate. Hey, friend. Yeah, how you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Excellent. We've got some fun things to talk about today and some not fun things, but, you know, it's all good. Um, also, don't forget, we have an Instagram account now, as you know, Kate, I'm sure. Yes, I do. Um, which is at Physics Twist. Watson, Watson. Cool. All right. Well, um, Kate, welcome back to the podcast. Last time that you were on here, what did we talk about? We talked about probably the same kind of things we're going to talk about today. And what's that? It's Girls in Science. Girls in Science. Because last, earlier in the week, it was International Day of Women and Girls in Science. Mm-hmm. And it's soon going to be International Women's Day. And so what better time to talk about girls and women and the cool STEM things that they do? Yeah, perfect. Um, so 2018, mm-hmm. groundbreaking, oh God, my, my words, groundbreaking mm. year for women in STEM. Yes. Tell me more. Uh, so lots of things happened in 2018, and I think that's kind of... I was like, ah, oh, what am I going to talk about? Oh, I know. I'll talk about all the things that happened since the last time I came on here and talked about girls and science, because mm-hmm. why not? Um, for everything from, like, Nobel Prizes to people donating exorbitant amounts of money to improve the state of women and girls in STEM. Lots of great things. Lots so there was a things. Nobel Prize to who? There were two. There were two. So this year, uh, two women won science Nobel Prizes. Mm-hmm. Uh, first up was Donna Strickland, who was the third woman and the first in 55 years 55 years i know to win the nobel prize for physics um so she joins uh marie curie who won it in 1903 and oh no i've just blanked on a name that's awful um someone who won it in 1963 and i'm sure someone out there will be able to be like kate it was this person you idiot i think that person will be future duncan future duncan (laughs) will put in here the name that kate is Conveniently forgotten in this 30 seconds. Yeah. That was Maria Gerbert Meyer, who in 1963 shared the prize with Eugene Wigner and Johannes Jensen for her pioneering work on the structure of the nucleus of the atom. 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 Um, perfect. So Marie Curie was the radioactive woman. Yes. Wasn't yes. she? Yeah. She famously, had, in her lab, which you can still go to, mm. the, the door handle that she used, I think you're not allowed to touch it because... It's still radioactive. It's still radioactive. Yeah. I mean, like, cool, but mm-hmm. in the same breath, slightly terrifying. Slightly terrifying. Slightly terrifying. So the International Day of Women and Girls in Science yes. was just this past... Monday. Monday? It was, yeah, February 11th. February 11th. February 11th. So we're recording on Thursday, February 14th, Valentine's yes. Day. Yeah. For all you lovers out there. Uh, I just love science. That's why I'm on the pod. Right. That's why I'm on the pod today. Just science sharing is the my love. Valentine. Science is my Valentine. No, that's why. But yeah, uh, there was there was a second Nobel Prize uh, as well. Yep. Who was that? Um, Frances Arnold, who was the fifth woman ever to win the Nobel Prize for Chemistry. So, right. Yeah. And when was the last time that a, a woman won that? Just off the top of your head, uh, if you happen to know. Good question. Yeah. Uh, reason much more recently. Okay. Much more recently, but um, than the fifty years. Than the fifty-five years. Yeah. I mean, what astounds me about the fifty-five years is it's like fifty-five years going back, and then it was like sixty years before. That. That. So, you know, we've got we've been waiting patiently for the physics <laughs> one. We're a little little bit more uh, recognised in Ken, yeah. but it's still. I mean, well, with only five women who've won it, that's that's still like. Well, especially in physics, that is outrageous. Like, mm. I hope, he's hoping that it's not another fifty-five. Oh, one would one yes, would hope. One would no. hope. I well, mean, yeah. strides are being made. Yeah, I mean, there's so there's I would some that not to be the case. There's some number about like it's like f- there's only fifty-one 
52 women who've ever won a Nobel Prize compared to, like, literally hundreds of men. Mm. And you're like, ah, oh. so the fact we've got two in science this year is like, yay, How women. many Nobel Prizes are handed out each year? Is it, there's uh, about 10 different it disciplines, It sort of depends it? because it depends a little bit on the discipline. Yeah. Um, so there's a few different categories. And people can share prizes yeah, as well. Yeah, so the physics one, for example, this year was actually shared between three people, mm. but all under the sort of category of laser physics. So this was a little bit... I know, it's it's such a great... Laser such, physics. Laser physics. Um, but... It, yeah, so it does tend to go to particular pieces of research rather than necessarily to a particular sure, yeah. individual. Yep. Um, and they win a cool million bucks for that. So, yeah, some Something some like nice healthy amount of, yeah. amount of I wonder if, finances. if the three would have to split it or do they get a million bucks each? I'm fairly sure it's split, but I, would, would, have sense, to, I would have to check that to, yeah. to be able to, to tell you the exact answer. So really what you want to do is you want to work with other people to make sure that you are doing fantastic work and then accidentally leave their name off the article when you submit it to journals. Uh, well, I, I mean, <laughs> that, that, that tends to be viewed as quite rude and, and stuff. But, uh, I mean, there is... Uh, I'm going to talk about someone, hopefully, shortly, that uh, where you're like, oh, that poor research student who came up with a brilliant idea who didn't get recognised, but their supervisor did. Oh, brilliant. Uh, so that happens. Yeah. Um, so just I've just pulled up the information about Nobel laureates. Um, there have been 17 women who've won the Peace Prize, 14 mm-hmm. who've won the Nobel Prize for Literature, mm-hmm. 12 who've won it in Physiology or Medicine, mm-hmm. and then five for Chemistry three for physics and one for economic science. Economic. Well, that's a, that's, to be fair, that's a, it newer is a new discipline. One. It, is yeah. a, it is a definitely a it's new one. It's only been included since the 70s. That's a total guess, but it sounds about right to me. Yeah, it feels, feels suitably accurate. Yeah. Um, and in terms of when the last chemistry one was won before this year, it was back in 2009, so not that long ago not, at all. Well, really. I mean, again, that is 10 years ago, so well, it's longer than nine. it should. It was one last year, okay, so sure, nine, yeah, yeah, nine, yeah, nine years, years. but... And, you know, that's probably a little bit more reasonable. We've won them more recently. We, we women, I speak for all women right now, apparently, mm, enough, um, yeah. ha- have won it more re- recently in physiology and medicine and, and mm, things like mm. that, um, rather than necessarily in chemistry, per se. Before mm. that, it's a long way back. She says 1964. So, you know, 2009 to now. Better than, like, 64 to now. 64. That makes it, yeah, f- 55 years, I yeah, come, golly. Come, coming up, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Beautiful. What else is there? So there's some other yes. winnings? Yeah, so um, the woman I mentioned just before, the re- the research student. Mm. Um, so her name now, her title now is Professor Dame Jocelyn Bell Burnell. Um, so Great for name. her, yeah, it's, a good, it's a good double-barreled B yeah. name. I like it. Um so she won the Special Breakthrough Prize in Fundamental Physics, which has also been won by the likes of, I don't know, Stephen Hawking, people like that. Who? Oh, I know, that, that guy. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's worth $3 million. So she actually Whoa. won it for her life's work, yep. which is awesome, uh, especially because it takes into account that supervisor who may have taken credit, credit for, for her it. things back in the 70s. Sneaky, sneaky. Sneaky bugger. But, he, but she immediately announced that she was going to use that money. She didn't want it for herself. Yep. She was going to use that money to create scholarships to enable women and other underrepresented minorities, like refugees, people like that, sure, yeah. to study physics uh, so that wow. the landscape of physics can change in the future. So yeah. it's not just the same type of people's ideas. You get a much more disparate yep. and more interesting. Um, Which is great because those people far less likely to end up, A, 
like going to university in the first place, because it's much more difficult to achieve that, um, and then to go on further in academia. Yeah, so I think it's really great. She's she's the uh, the second woman ever to win that award. I know I don't know who the first one was. <laughs> Sorry. Um, you, until I've been quizzing you. I know. I can I can feel it. Uh, mm. But what I loved was the quote that one of the quotes she gave was that she feels like this is going to quote bring a fresh angle on things. End quote. Nice. Like that's how she sort of put it in terms of what the the uh, scholarships are going to be for. Cool. Which is great. Then there's what Eureka prizes. Yeah, and... the Eureka prizes. So there are some of the Australian awards, which I think is great to like, okay. look at those because we don't just need to look globally; we need to look locally and yes. sort of um, where we're based. And lots of awards this year to women, especially um, people doing a lot of mentoring and being mm. good representatives in terms of making sure that. Uh, the the road is clear for women coming through yeah. in the future. So, like, you know, they always talk about standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah, that exactly. That plays into it nicely, yeah. Yeah, so um, the Emerging Leader in Science Award went to uh, Associate Professor Elizabeth New from UCID. Uh, so she... She's one of, regarded as one of Australia's brightest young inorganic chemists. So it's all, for her, it's all about teaching and outreach and mentoring and developing that net, next generation of... Uh, scientists and collaborating and or, and improving that research culture and those kind of environments. Wonderful. Stuff. Because we are oh, in that sort of demographic, mentoring would be super, super important. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I came through chemistry and specifically like physical chem and stuff and it absolutely was like, oh, look, I'm the only girl in the lab. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, it, it's definitely going to make a massive difference. And then um, the outstanding mentor of young researchers. So, like... Um, Elizabeth New won the sort of emerging leader, and this is sort of the next category going yeah, right. up, uh, was Nalini Joshi out of um, UCID as well. Uh, and she's been a big push behind uh, Science in Australia Gender Equity, which is the SAGE project, okay. uh, which is transforming the research landscape by increasing support and retention of female researchers in STEM. So trying to kind of, you get them in the front, like get them in the door, got to keep us all around um, for the longer term. Now, I see you can also tell me a little bit about some major discoveries. Mm -hmm. So, this is just for the past year yep, that we're talking is, here? Yep, just okay, in the... By women and girls. By women and girls. In so, past year. Yeah, yeah uh, lots of groundbreaking research. I mean, there were a large number of women. Uh, I know your personal passion... Uh, at the moment is is Mars and mm. lots of lots of loving of space has been for quite some time. has been for quite some time. Yep. So you know, just pointing out that the uh, NASA Insight probe mm -hmm. uh, had a lot of women on that team. Yeah, um, just just a, just a couple, including um, excuse me, including uh, what's her name, including uh, Pauline Huang, who was the mission operations system lead. Um, so she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I have watched videos with like interviews on YouTube with her. Yeah. So she's she's awesome. Yeah. Um, the the woman who um, this is a, a woman who runs the onboard chemistry lab on Curiosity. Mm -hmm. That's the one that um, that they made sing Curiosity Happy Birthday to itself. That's right. Yeah. It's so great. So good. I mean that whole thing about bringing different angles to self. Let's talk about making making rovers <laughs> sing a little song sing to themselves. I mean why not? So good. Uh, I mean, but you know the women have contributed in a whole bunch of different ways. Everything from like the looking at the time scale of life's origins on Earth, right the way through to 3D printing replacement bits of brain and mm -hmm. lung. I mean, I have a personal shout out to mm -hmm. uh, Professor Stephanie Page. Mm -hmm. um, you really? know, yeah, I can't, I can't <laughs> imagine why I'd be pro the idea of uh, someone behind the development of the male contraceptive uh -huh. being okay. a woman. I think I think that's I, a I, 
So there's a certain beauty in that. There's a certain beauty but in that. But I also just want to leave that one alone a little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I intended on touching on that and moving <laughs> straight on. Straight but the other one that I thought was really interesting was lab-grown human eggs. So um, that idea of, you know, yeah, yeah, you're looking down that sort of... Lab-grown. Um, I can't even yeah. fathom how that works. No, neither can I. And that's what I think is yeah. so fascinating because someone's brain out there has just gone, ping, well, we this is a great idea. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, that's we'll have to uh, talk Evelyn about Teller. That on, a, on a future episode. Evelyn Teller. Evelyn okay. Teller. I'll yeah. look into that. That's really interesting. Perfect. Anything else you want to tell me or should we move on, do you think? Um, I mean, just one thing I'd like to touch on, which I think is fascinating. Please was, do. Uh, there's a researcher whose name's Jessica Wade mm-hmm. um, and she made massive headlines in the middle of last year in July uh, where she wrote in the previous 12 months more than 270 Wikipedia pages for under-recognised female scientists nice. just to increase their public recognition. Just being like, I'm going to sit and write Wikipedia pages so that people can get recognised. I'm like, that's great. I think that's just... Because really, that amazing. is kind of like... Having a Wikipedia page is almost the barometer for being a public figure. Yeah. If you don't have a Wikipedia page, and maybe in the media world it might be an IMDb page, but for scientists definitely, you've got to have a Wikipedia. Or a ResearchGate, but I think a lot of people have those. But I think the yeah. benefit of Wikipedia is it's like things like ResearchGate and IMDb, you're going there for a specific purpose. Like you're mm. looking for a particular scientist or you're looking for a particular performer or whatever. Yeah. Wikipedia is the place where you're like, I'm looking for stuff. Yeah, and it's and- also like you have to be a certain level of notoriety or, or fame or you know recognition in order to actually make it to Wikipedia. So just by sort of creating that page, it's like you automatically have that. Yeah, exactly. That's and cool. I think, you know, if you if you look at the number of athletes who have them and they're like three lines, it's like why can't a scientist have exactly the same thing? Absolutely, because it's like people who played, you know, one season of rugby in 1971, mm-hmm. they've got a Wiki- Wikipedia page. Yeah. I mean, there, there are sports out there that very few people watch, and yet all of the athletes have. Yeah, and it's got all their stats and everything. And like you're that. like, ah, oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Excellent to see some yeah. some representation there. Wonderful. So that was the International Day of Women and Girls in Science, which was February 11th, just this past Monday, and International Women's Day, which is coming oh. up. That is March. I'm putting you on it's the in, spot. Yeah, here. you are putting me on the spot because you put this in to I forgot, my notes, well, I've and you've forgotten the day. <laughs> so I'm just going to plug for time for like 30 seconds while yep. I remind myself what date it is. But it is March. Yep. It is on the 30th. March 8. March 8. March okay, 8. much sooner. Balance for better. That's the yeah. hashtag this year. That's right. Balance for better. Balance for better. So, I thought we would, yeah, celebrate those two days. One yeah. past, one future. And um, really good summing up there, Kate. Ah. Really like that one. Appreciate it. Should we move on? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so, big news. Mm-hmm. Big, big mm. news. Sad news. Sad news. This is um, the segment that I like to call Far Out with Duncan. And uh, some of you, hopefully many, if not all of you, have listened to the Mars River Magic episode, which came out in last year. What was it? July, August, something like that? Something like that. Something like that. Um, Which was all about the opportunity, spirit and curiosity rovers. A lot of fun to make. Um, And I think it ended fairly positively looking forward, but there were moments in there where we were like, oh, I'm not sure what's happening here. The future is very uncertain. Um, So I just want to talk about Opportunity, the rover, very briefly, which basically is a small-ish solar-powered rover that landed on Mars in 2004, did some amazing, amazing things, like finding the first extraterrestrial meteorite, concrete evidence that large bodies of water once existed on Mars, and evidence of environments with a chemistry that would have been suitable for life. 
So like that water, for example, would have had a neutral pH, meaning that it's neither too acidic nor too alkaline for life to have actually existed like water here, right? So basically, opportunity found that similar conditions previously has existed on Mars at some time in the past. Um, so a lot of things happened while it's, while it's been up there. In 2005, it actually looked like the Opportunity mission was already over because it would because um, it actually dug itself in into a sand dune, effectively, you know, driving into its own grave because um, the onboard computers basically couldn't see that it was sinking. And so it just drove in and in and in. The wheels just kept turning and turning and turning because it didn't, it didn't realize what was happening. And then it went, oh, I think I'm, I think I'm a little bit stuck here. And it took five weeks for NASA engineers to get opportunity out. The way they did it was they would drive like a centimetre at a time, then have opportunity snap a photo and send it back. And then they go, okay, that worked or that didn't work. Here's what we need to do next. And eventually they got it out, which is absolutely amazing. So opportunity did some other things like taking photos of clouds on Mars. Yes, there are actually clouds on Mars. It's quite amazing. It does have an atmosphere, not much, but enough of an atmosphere to have clouds. Um, took photos of dust devils also because there is an atmosphere out there. Uh, and yeah, so, so, so much more. So last year, June-ish, which is, this is the sort of event that actually spurred the creation of the Mars River Magic episode. There was a dust storm that formed on Mars. Initially, it was about a thousand kilometers away from Opportunity, which is about the same distance as Sydney to Melbourne. Um, and then within a couple of days of that dust storm forming, it covered the whole planet, the whole thing. And then since Opportunity actually runs on solar power, all the dust in the atmosphere was blocking sunlight. And so it was going, I'm starving. I'm so cold. Please help me. And then the dust would settle on the actual solar panels. And, you know, it's just kind of starving up there, which is, they were like, oh, this is, this is not really good. So basically it eventually ran out of batteries, entered a sort of low power safe mode. And since then, NASA has been hoping that the, the winds, the Martian winds would actually clean the settled dust off the solar panels. That has actually happened before which is amazing, um, and allow, that would allow it to receive more sunlight, then power it up again, and they've been attempting to contact Opportunity to see if it's woken up ever since then. So that is where we left the story in the Mars River Magic episode. Quite uncertain. Now, as of, well, actually, I think it was today, possibly yesterday, this morning, uh, word has come through from NASA that that has not happened, mm. and Opportunity has been declared officially dead. <laughs> So sad. Poor, poor little opportunity. Poppy. Poppy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's quite amazing, actually, because opportunity initially was only meant to drive one kilometer over the span of 90 days when they launched it in 2004. Uh, it ended up traveling more than 45 kilometers over 15 years. Absolutely amazing. So... The best example of any product working far beyond its warranty expiring. Can we just, can we just like, get that kind of longevity for like all technology yeah okay. listen up yeah. apple no i'm not going to defame you on the <laughs> podcast that's no. probably a bad idea we'll hear from their lawyers won't we? especially <laughs> especially given the product that you're currently uh you, we're both currently yeah using exactly no, love, love their products love them fantastic this has actually been very reliable i might add mm. please don't contact us lawyers um <laughs> anyway so it is a bit of a sad day it is a bit of a sad day that it's finally finally dead but it's a positive one as well because opportunity showed a lot of resilience lasting What's that, 60 times longer? At least. 60 times longer than it was originally supposed to. Um, so, the guy called Thomas Zerbuchen, 
I hope that's right. Uh, who is, who's an astro- associate administrator of NASA's Science Mission Directorate said, officially this morning, I declare the Opportunity mission as complete. And with it, the Mars Explora- Exploration Rover mission complete, which I think is a much happier spin on this event than saying it's dead. Yeah, I, I yeah. feel like that's that's much, much nicer. <clears throat> yeah. It's concluded. It's over. Absolutely. It's not just the poor little opportunity is dead. Yeah. So I think rather than saying, you know, let's be sad about it, that's a terrible thing, we should be absolutely celebrating the life of opportunity. 15 years, not bad at all for something that's supposed to last uh, 90 three days, months. three <laughs> months. Very, very resilient little, yeah. little fella or... Little little robot. Little Little robot. robot. Um, So rather than a sad goodbye, it is a mission complete. So well done, opportunity. Yay! I've been I've been loving this morning uh, all of the thanks Oppie Mm -hmm. hashtag all over Twitter uh, with everyone just being like this is this is all the positive things. Yeah, it's it's really good. There's a great comic that I saw by XKCD. I'm sure you're familiar with, and it was talking about how one day we might be able to travel to Mars and see opportunity there and if we could power it back up it would be like traveling around being like hey look at this like I'm so excited this is a thing that I found and look this is this massive cliff over here and here's this body of water that I found and here's where I dug myself out and it was so great (laughs) so cool it just you know part of me hopes that like one day he'll wake up again it'll wake up again yeah there is actually an example of a a, um, you wouldn't call it a a satellite but a um, spacecraft of some sort that was officially declared dead, I think it was in the 80s, and 25 years later, it sent back a signal Yay. that it was actually alive. I can't remember what it's called, but um, I might throw it in the um, Just in the description. But, but so cool. 25 years. That kind of stuff makes me happy. You yeah. know, maybe the winds aren't blowing hard enough. We've just we've given up too soon. We mm. just need to, so we need to be like opportunity to persist yeah. a little longer. What's 25 years from now? Is that 20... 25 years from now would be... 2044. 2044, yeah. So maybe in the year 2044, approximately, we'll be hearing from Opportunity. Yep. Never Again, know. Fingers crossed. Never know. We might we might be there by then. Yeah, knows. true. Maybe Elon Musk will What's walk the... up to it and say, G'day, mate. How's it going? <laughs> 2028, I think, yeah. is the target at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, good luck. Um, cool. So there we go. Well done, Opportunity. Yeah. Moving on. segment that I like to call Viral Graham. And um, I don't know if you've actually read about this one, Kate. Have you seen this uh, thing v- I'm about to talk Vaguely. Uh-huh. I okay. feel like it's it's one of those things that I've seen on the internet, but not like delved into the world of this yeah. on the internet. I I love this one. This is, a, this is a, again, a little, little bit of a funny one. So at Physics Twist, we apparently now love stories about seals doing silly things. You might remember the story from last year about seals getting eels stuck up their noses. Well, folks, here we go again. Here we go again, those cheeky little guys. Um, A pair of researchers in New Zealand made a discovery a couple of weeks ago while analyzing some poop, some seal poop. And inside one of the samples that they collected of this seal excrement, apparently about the size of two dinner rolls, if you must know, uh, they found something quite strange, something that really should not be there. And that little thing was a USB stick inside seal poop. What are they eating? What's in their diet? See, they're getting seals stuck up their noses. They're eating USBs. I mean, my only thought is it's an accident in the same way that we might accidentally eat, like, a hair while you're eating your dinner or something. But, like... 
it's a, it's a decently sizable thing yeah. to swallow by accident. But it's strange that because what, what happened was there was actually photos and images on the USB stick. Yeah. So it's like you hear people about you hear people um, hear about people dropping their cameras and things. Yeah. And you can retrieve the SD card, but someone specifically carried a, a USB stick and then dropped it as a little uh, little present. Unless it was like. It got swallowed by a fish, and then that fish got eaten by the seal, True. and then the seal <clears throat> pooped it out because that's the like. This this could be a setup. Someone could have put the USB stick inside of like bait, yeah, and then just dropped it in, and then yeah, fish could have eaten it, or the seal could have eaten it directly, and then they would have gone, oh, it's so funny, they had the USB stick, but it's a setup, I'm telling you. Yeah, or it was like attached. Maybe it was attached to something like a mm. not like a GoPro, but that kind of idea of like it's attached to something that's tracking, and it's fallen off and. Yeah. been eaten because it's brightly coloured and they're like, oh, this looks delicious. Yeah, maybe maybe the USB stick looks like a fish. Maybe it's one of those ones that has a funny design or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, they discovered the USB stick inside of the poop and, remarkably, it actually still worked. So, <laughs> which is insane. <laughs> which is great. I love, I, yeah, it's Technology crazy. at its finest. So there's images on, on it. There's actually a video as well. In one of the photos, you can see a sea lion, uh, which is rolling on the sand on a beach. And in the video, there's actually someone in a kayak which I've watched the video. I'll put a link to it in the description as well, where there's like a follow, uh, they're following a seal and her and a little pup mm. um, around in the water. It is cute as a button, I'm telling you. And they're like popping up their heads really curiously. And it's so cute. I love seals. Um, so that really the only hint that we have of the owner is footage of this blue kayak and someone's red rubber shoes. <laughs> so it's like we have absolutely no idea. Whoever you are out there, if, yeah, you're, if, if, if you're listening, if you're listening, uh, you know, just just shout us out. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Physics Twist sent me, and I'm here to collect my USB yep. stick. However, if you do want to go and collect your USB stick, there is a catch. So the NIWA, um, which is the organisation that these researchers belong to, um, they put up a few images and they said, if you want to collect this, there's a catch, and the catch is, it comes with a price. The price is, I'm just speaking the same thing over That's and over cool. again. That's good. <laughs> But the catch is, they'd like some more seal poop, please. <laughs> in, order to, in order to get your USB stick, you have to collect some seal poop and you have to deliver it to these researchers, which the researchers have very, very kindly included instructions on how to identify and safely collect leopard seal poop, uh, which they've said is good as gold. Does, does it have to be wild seal Poop? Because arguably you could just like go to a zoo, right? And be like, hey, so I have Can to do have this weird poop? thing. <laughs> Don't uh, ask me why. Oh, there, I, I was involved in a scavenger hunt a couple of years ago that was like you had to get little cubes of wombat poop. Oh, and God. I know we've talked about cubes yeah, of wombat yeah. poop on the on the podcast before. But um, yeah, I was like, we could just go to a zoo. They'd, yeah. they'd, they'd hand over some poop. Right. Excuse me. Can I have some of that poop? Well, so scientific purposes. <laughs> yeah. That's what I did. For. So weird. But then the, it wouldn't be a good sample, though, would it? Because they, well, really, no, they obviously want to. Um, they want to examine wild. Yeah. Examples. Um, so yeah, if you are, if you are the owner, <laughs> do us all a favor. See this story through to the end. Go get that poop. And then report Collect back the to us so we know. Yeah. Who you are. Exactly. What happened. Yeah. That is gold. Um, yeah, I like that one. That was thanks, good. Thanks, seals. That's that's adorable. I look forward to the next seal story. Now I just kind of feel. Now I kind of just hope that the <coughs> seals were filming themselves. And <laughs> <laughs> just selfies. wearing little little red boots on totally. the front, just yeah, like yeah, hanging yeah. out in the kayak. It's that's great. so funny. There is actually we talked about it on the podcast before about um, a monkey who took a selfie yeah. of itself, and there was a there was a court case about who's the actual owner of the photo. 
Who owns the copyright? Does the monkey own it? Or does the camera owner operate it? I mean, can, camera, camera owner, owner operate. Uh, camera operator. Camera owner own the copyright. Or does the <laughs> the person who owns the stick on which it is saved on the camera mm. own it? Because that actually, could be a whole mother. This actually went to court. Oh, what it's was crazy? Did, do we know what the result was? Uh, we do know what the result was, and I think the owner of the camera retained the copyright. Which would make sense because that's how it works for things like um, record, like um, vocal recordings, for example. Mm. If if you record me, yeah. I don't own this recording of my voice. You do because you've saved it on your equipment. But the, the, I think the people that were trying to argue that the, the monkey owned the copyright were like, well, it took the photo. And it's not in, it's a non-human animal, but it's still capable of taking a photo. So, therefore, the copyright belongs to it. It's pretty insane. Anyway, we talked about it at length in a previous episode. I'm um, going to have to go back and Go back and listen to it. It's, and, yeah, dear listeners, go back and have a listen because it's very funny. Fact of the Kate, would you like to hear a fact of the week? I would love to hear a fact oh, of the week. Oh my god, I've got a good one for you. <clears throat> you haven't. I have not at the looked spoiler, at the thing. You? Good. You, you told me explicitly not to look at it. This is fantastic. You might. You're notice... going to unhighlight it now, and I'm just going to be able to see it. Okay. But like, look away. Yeah, I'm look not going to look. I'm not looking. Okay. You might have heard it before. Okay. I, ho- I hope not, because it's so good. But you're a smart cookie, so who knows? Fact of the week is: Saturn's rings are quote unquote only 100 million years old now that might seem a lot okay but let's think about what else has been around for 100 million years put that in perspective mm-hmm. okay well first of all the earth is about 4.5 billion years old yeah. saturn is similarly age but its rings are only 100 million years old to put that in perspective crocodiles have been around for 200 million years mm-hmm. the dinosaurs died off 65 million years ago mm-hmm. and they've been around for god knows how long before that so dinosaurs were around at the time that the rings around Saturn were being formed. So, if a Stegosaurus, which lived about 100 million years ago, had had a telescope, it'd be able to peer up into the sky and watch the formation of Saturn's rings. Isn't that fantastic? I, I kind of want to make a Beyonce joke now. Do which it. Is, which is just something along the lines of, you know, did dinosaurs like Satin so much that they, <laughs> they put, put a, a ring, ring on, on it? it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love Beyonce so much. I, I know you do. Um, <laughs> I do not love her as much as you do. I oh. think is the... Uh, I love her, but just Play not her at my funeral. So good. Mm. Uh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, that, I think it is one of those things that people kind of assume that everything in our solar system was... Yeah. This is the same age. And you're like, well... That's time. Oh, like God. That one? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not paying you that one. Um, but that idea of just, you know, just because they, things like you associate them together doesn't mm. mean that they're the same ages yeah. as each other. Yeah. And the universes are constantly evolving and expanding and changing things. Yeah. So in this sort of um, universal time scale, 100 million years is. Drop in the it's bucket. Like that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so much, well, so many animals, plants and animals have been around for much longer on Earth yeah. than that. It's really crazy to think about. Well, part of, like, my brain's now like, how old's the moon? Because, like, Ooh. that kind of that kind of thing, right? Like, is... Sorry it's just as No, that's cool. It, it's because I've been, like, looking at the moon stuff because this year's National Science Week theme for schools is mm. Destination Moon. So my brain's kind of on moons, but... Would you like to know the answer? I would love to know the answer. 4.53 billion 4. years 5, old. So it's the same age as the Earth. Yeah, I'm just going to Give check the Earth is actually that old, because it was a guess. Yeah. 4.54 billion years Okay, old. so the, the, the Earth is, a, is 0.01 billion years <laughs> older, yeah. older. Which is 100 million years. Which is 100 million years. So, so <laughs> Wait, no, 10 million years, sorry. Yes. 
Sure. Yeah. Um, so one of those things where you're like, all right, the, like everyone's assumption is that they are the same age. They're actually not mm. the same age. Mm. And, you know, when you say 0.01 billion years, it sounds like nothing. You're, yeah. you're actually talking about millions and millions. Ten and... million years. Like yeah. you can't even fathom how no. long that is. And yet sort of geological and universal timescale blows it out of the water. Well, this is that thing of people, people's understanding of time, right? Like, mm. what is a thousand seconds versus a million seconds versus a billion seconds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A thousand seconds is... How long is um, it? Yes. 14 minutes or something, something like, like that? Something like that. And, um, a million is about two weeks. And a billion is like 33 years. years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's insane. And yeah. people's assumption that a million and a billion are very close. And they're not even just close. not. Yeah. They're just literally millions of years different. <laughs> that very well yeah it's like people talk yeah again the perspective of time when you're 10 a year is it's 10% a tenth of your of life, life. Yeah. yeah but when you're 50 a year is two percent is that right yeah yes two well percent of your life <laughs> and so it just goes like that and it's that thing of people say oh the years fly by and you're like yes no because your really because your brain is now like comparing it to how long you have been alive yeah yeah so which yeah. for some of us is quite a long time yeah and for <laughs> some of us is is technically longer than you, but yeah. but I'm going to pretend like it's not. Um, but it's it's one of those things where kids complain about how the school year drags, and teachers are like, "I don't have enough time for yeah, all yeah, this yeah. stuff." Exactly, because it's the same time, but it's perceptionally completely it's different. massively different. There you go. What a weird way to end. Yeah, um, that was uh, that was <laughs> that was fun. I think we should get out of here because Kate, yeah. you need to go to a school, don't you? Uh, I'm going. Yeah, I'm going to go run a science club. Woo-hoo. It's going to be good. Yeah, we're going to do flower dissections. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, nice one. Uh, that was very interesting, but they maybe we can talk about that another time. Yeah. Um, so that is a wrap on Physics Twist for this week. Thank you, Kate, for joining me. And don't forget, you, dear listener, can meet the wonderful people of physics at your school, vacation centre or birthday party. Just go to physics.com.au. Also, if you like this, you can rate us on iTunes. It will help us out. And we'll be back very, very shortly. Uh, probably, I think Quill will, Quill will be back soon. So a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah I, I might be chatting to her. On, she's having a little bit of a break. She is having a bit of a break. Having a having a disgustingly good time abroad. I think. Yeah, in Japan. Um, so, also, if you'd like to hear some more thought-provoking discussions with leading education providers and other hot content, you can listen to the Physics Ed podcast run by our magnificent company director Ben Newsom. Anything else to add? Not really. I think uh, people should definitely go give the Instagram, they Physics should, Twist Instagram, Physics a Twist. Good, good little like and maybe sneak over to the Physics Ed Facebook page because you'll get all of this stuff mm. pushed through so you know when new stuff's happening. Happy days. All right, see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.